around eight months ago, there was a episode on Jeopardy where um, there was a question given to the audience, uh, not to the audience, to the contestants, excuse me. And uh, the question was for to fill in the blank. And to fill in the blank, the question was actually of Matthew 6, 9, and it was of the KJV translation, and was fill in the blank. Our Father, who art in heaven, blank be thy name. And we know the answer is hallowed. Exactly. Now, the contestants did not know that answer. All three of them, they stood there just watching, just waiting for something to happen. And then the X buzzer came off and all that kind of good stuff. They didn't get any points. There was some heavy lash on the contestant on Twitter and on some posts. And I want to read you some of them. I won't read you all of them for good reason, but I want to read you some of them. One person said, that's hallowed, you heathens. Another person said, hey, Jeopardy geniuses, it's hallowed. Jeez, what a sad world we live in. Another person said, you've got to be kidding me. No one knew hallowed? And there's a bunch, there's, again, much more, but I won't say that. And I bring this up because it's one thing to know the answer. It's another thing to act on the answer that you know. And there were some very harsh comments toward these contestants. They knew the answer. It was to hallow the Father's name. But if they truly knew that if they were to hallow the Father's name, they wouldn't have acted the way they did. And it's one thing for you and I to know the answer to the greatest commandment of all, which is to love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. And it's another to act on that, to do that. You and I are called to walk in all of the ways of God. And that's um, what we are to go over today in our last um, part of a series of love, to go back to the fundamentals. If you can turn to your Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy, we'll be in chapter 10 this morning. The book of Deuteronomy, chapter 10, in this um, text, we're going to see um, how it's, it's, this whole book is a charge to Israel before they go to the promised land, and they are to remember a couple of things. Their history, um, the, the, the law that was given to them in Exodus, they were to remember those things in this book, and it was a charge to them to remember that. And there were some requirements. In order for Israel to enjoy the land, they had to have some requirements met. Now, they were going to get the land by grace, but how they enjoyed it was conditional. But they were always going to get it by the grace of God. Let's begin reading in Deuteronomy chapter 10. We'll be in verses 12 through uh, chapter 11, verse 1. Let's go to chapter 10, verse 12. And now, Israel, what does Yahweh your God require of you? But to fear Yahweh your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve Yahweh your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of Yahweh, which I am commanding you today for your good. Verse 14. Behold, to Yahweh your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens, and the earth with all that is in it. Yet Yahweh set his heart in love on your fathers, chose their offspring after them, you above all peoples, as you are this day. Verse 16. Circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart, and be no longer stubborn. For Yahweh your God is God of gods and Lord of lords. Be great, be mighty, and be awesome God, who is not partial. He takes no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow. He loves the soldier, giving him food and clothing. Love the soldier, therefore, you were soldiers in the land of Egypt. Verse 20. 
You shall fear Yahweh your God. You shall serve him, hold fast to him, and by his name you shall swear. He is your praise. He is your God who has done for you these great and terrifying things that your eyes have seen. Your fathers went down to Egypt, 70 persons, and now Yahweh your God has made you as numerous as the stars of heaven. You shall therefore love Yahweh your God and keep his charge, his statutes, his rules, and his commandments always. Within the passage, again, it is a charge for Israel to obey these commandments and many more. But all of the commandments, as you and I have gone over, is summarized in love. And that's what I want to bring up today as we uh, finish our series of love this morning. I want to talk about my first point, and that is our actions of love need to represent God's loving character. Our actions of love need to represent God's loving character. You see that within verses 12 through 13 as we read again. And now, Israel, what does Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I'm commanding you today for your good. Now, in the text, you see five requirements that Israel was to, to, to do so that they can enjoy the land. And, of course, they all are summarized in love, and we'll get to that in a minute. The first requirement you see is to fear the Lord, to fear Yahweh. And the first text that probably comes to our mind as we think of that passage is probably Proverbs 1-7, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fools despise knowledge and instruction. And yes, usually that's in terms of, well, what does um, the fear, what does fearing the Lord mean? And usually, yes, it's to respect. It is to honor. And I think in this context, it goes deeper than that. I think it means to have in awe, of, to be in awe of who this God is. To, to be in fear, not scared, but to have a fear in the sense of understanding that the power of God and what he can do for you, but also what he can do against you. It's an awe of his power. And the power that he has is so big that it is beyond our understanding. And that's scary. Again, not to be scared of the Lord. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that his power is so beyond our measure, beyond our uh, understanding that it's awesome. And to kind of explain the kind of fear, again, that Israel was to have. It's kind of like if I were to ask you, please get a water bottle. I'm going to get a little bucket. I'm going to put it in the center, and I want you all to pour in it. Then I'm going to get a pencil. I'm going to put the pencil in the water, and it turns to blood. But not only does it turn to blood, it turns all of Marshall's water into blood. At first, it may seem like a magic trick. And so you wait for seven days, and it's not going away, and you're like, okay, what's, you need to fix this. What's going on? But when you witness that, you'll either be skeptical, which is fair, especially in our culture, or you'll be like, what just happened? You're, you're scared and shocked, in a sense. Like, how did he do that? Because in, in uh, Exodus, the Exodus, where Moses did the very same thing with the, the Nile River, it turned to blood, and it turned all of the water to blood. And that is shocking. That was scary to them. They never seen anything like that. And that's the kind of fear that Israel was to have for his, their God. Not Again, not to be scared, but to be in awe of. Wow, look at how powerful our God and who he is and what we serve. And then it gets to the second point, his, the second requirement 
which is to walk in his ways. And by the way, you're going to walk in his ways if you have that kind of fear for him, right? And, and they're all interconnected here. And what are God's ways? Well, they're good. They're, they're kindness. They're love. And that's, and that's the connection that he's trying to make here. Not only does Israel, Israel to walk in love, but so do you and I as a church in our New Testament context. And then it gets to the third requirement, which is to love him. And of course, it's a summarization of all of these, all of these requirements and the law. If Israel were to love God, they were to walk in his ways. And if you walked in his ways, you would walk in the ways of love. Again, another connection. And Israel was to walk in love, to walk in the ways of God, so wholeheartedly to serve him. You truly serve someone if you love them. And that's why the next requirement is to serve him, to serve Yahweh with all of our hearts, with all of our souls, by doing his will, by doing what pleases him, by taking the initiative of what he wants us to do. And Israel was to do the same thing by simply obeying what he asked. And you and I do the same thing with Jesus today. And then he gets to the last requirement, which is to keep God's commandments. And of course, you and I know the greatest commandment is to love him and to love others. And within that, I think that it can be encouraging to, to remember that when we're tired, when we're down, or when we're not in, um, not in the right spot or wherever we're going through, we can still take courage that we may have a hard time loving God, or we may have a hard time loving others. Christ always will love you. God will always love you. Just as the Father always loved his people, Israel, and who loves you and I as well. And this gets to my second point. Every choice that God makes is in love. Every choice that God makes is in love. You see that in verses 14 and 15. As the text says in 14, Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens, the earth with all that is in it, yet... Yahweh set his heart in love on your fathers and chose their offspring after them, you above all the peoples as you are this day. This is where we get into a little bit of the theology of election. This, this was where um, Israel was the chosen nation of God so that all the other nations could see the works of God. Election is not exclusive, it's inclusive. Israel was loved by God by his own love. It wasn't anything that they did. As a matter of fact, they were my They were, um, God, loves Yah uh, uh, God loves Israel, not on the basis of anything that they did, but on who he is and his good, loving character. And that's the part within election and that it's, it's more about God's love and who he placed his love on so that his love can be spread in who he's demonstrated love on. Israel was to represent Yahweh and his works in, as a nation so that the other nations could see that and have an invitation to come join as well. That is the point. And within the text, it, it's more emphasized in verse 15 and in verse 14, you see how before it talks about that, it's more boasting of God and how powerful he is and how he holds everything within his hands. The stars, the heavens, and the earth, all that is within it is God's. It reminds me of the story that I heard of um, a scientist who tried to uh, challenge God. 
the story goes where he, he said to God, God, we just don't need you. I think that we just need science, and we're all good to go. And the story has it that God said, okay, why don't we have a little challenge? What would you, what would you like to do? And then the scientist said, well, I can make a better human being than you can. God says, okay, why don't you make a male human being? I'll make a male human being. Let's see who does a better job, and we'll see who. I'll let you go first. And the scientist says, okay, and he gets, he gets his hand in the dirt, and he's ready to make a man, and then God says, whoa, 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 use your own dirt. Everything on the earth is God's. Everything within the heavens is God's. And not only is everything within the heavens God, the most Israel is just as much a part of God. Israel belongs to God just as much as the stars, as the earth, as the heavens. Israel belongs to God just as much. And you and I do today as well as our faith in Christ in the New Testament context. And just as everything belongs to God, you and I, as I said earlier, also belong to God. And again, they were to represent, and because of the love they had, they were to represent God through their actions, through their love, by obeying him, by being different than the other nations, so that the other nations would come. And that's why you and I are different from the world. You and I are different than our culture, so that we can have the culture come and see, to be invited, to repent of their sin, and to see the love of God. And sometimes we fail at that. Sometimes, whatever reason, we, we do not um, do a good job because of sin or because we have a heart that's become bitter and whatever the case. But in the meantime, even though we fail, we know that God has not and he will not fail because of his love. And in the midst of that love, we need to respond to that and not have our hearts bitter. And this gets to my third point, that you and I are to humble our prideful Heart. You and I see that within verse 16, as, uh, as it says to Israel, they are commanded to circumcise, therefore, the foreskin of your heart, and be no longer stubborn. As you know, this is covenantal loving language because of what Abraham had to do with the covenant that he was to do in response to uh, the covenant that um, Yahweh made to Abraham to circumcise. Now, it was always, yes, it was a physical aspect, but it was always meant to be more than that. It was not only, yes, to show a physical difference, but also to show a inward spiritual difference. That the heart was always going to do what God wanted. And that is the point that, he that this text also says that Israel is to do. Just like Abraham did, Israel was to do the same thing as well. Yahweh was always there for Israel, and he was always going to be there for Israel, even when they did not um, respond to their uh, heart being bitter, and they didn't repent of that. But Yahweh was always going to be there in the midst of their failure. He still loved them. It reminds me of a story, uh, actually a video, excuse me, of a, van, a man named Van Giong. He is a speaker, a very, very effective communicator. He does a lot of conferences conferences to speak and to give conferences about the communication skill. Well, he recently just had a baby. Her name is Melody. And a week ago, uh, I think that's when she was born. And he, he has a video on the internet about him making three promises to his, to his daughter. And the reason he does, he's making a video on the internet is for his own purposes 
It's for him to see in the future. He just became a father. He's so over, overwhelmed with love and joy. And, and not only that, he wants to share that with his followers, with those who, those who see that, and that's why he makes a video. And then one, of the, one of the promises that he made to his daughter, he looks at her, he's holding her, he says, Melody, I want you to jump as high as you can in this life. And as long as I'm alive, I will forever be your net. And no dating until you're 25. But I, I think in a similar way, that's what God has always been for Israel. When they failed in their sin, when they did not obey God, God was still always there to give them grace. Same way with you and me. Through Christ and the resurrection, through, through the cross and what he did, we still have that same net. We still have that same net to run to God. When you and I sin, that is the opportunity to run to God, not to run from him, as, as Paul Walker uh, says in um, in a video I once saw, and we are to again to repent of our sin with whatever we've done to come back to the Father, because He is always going to be there for you, and He's always going to be there for me as well. And we need to constantly remind ourselves of that net, of that love, and that grace that He's willing to bestow on us. This gets to my fourth point: that if God shows love to us, we should show love to others. You see that within verses seventeen through. 19, for the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God who is not partial and takes no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the soldier, giving him food and clothing. Love the soldier, therefore, you, will, you were soldiers in the land of Egypt. And this is the same God who, who has a net for his people, and he has the power to demonstrate that, and because of that, there's a response to be given. So it gets in, before, uh, as we see that there's a command to love, we see that God demonstrated his love first, and that's the response that comes to take in. Why is God not partial? Because he's Lord of Lords. He is just, and he's just because of his love. His justice that he gives is on the purpose of love. Why does he take no bribe? Because he's God of gods. He doesn't need to be bribed. He is God Almighty. He doesn't need anything that you and I have. And he doesn't need you or me. But in his love, he wants to demonstrate that he wants us. He doesn't need us, but that he wants us. And that's why when we try to bargain with God, it doesn't work. Because if we were to say, God, if you do this for me, I will humbly, gladly do this for you. Well, one, he's not going to do that because you probably should already be doing that thing. And two, he doesn't need the bribe that we're given to him. He can use anyone else if he so choose. He usually likes to use the, uh, use the foolish to humble the pride. As you and I see within the Pharisees and the Gospels, that's what Jesus did a lot. And God does the very same thing, and he did that same thing to Israel. Because Israel was the minority, he still used them to show his power to other nations. And they were to respond to that love. And in our love to God, we need to respect him and understand that he cannot be limited. The same God who cannot be limited, he demonstrates his limitless love. But again, let's look at verses 18 and 19. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow. He loves 
the sojourner. Some of your translations may say alien or stranger. Love the stranger, giving him food and clothing. Love the stranger, therefore. You were strangers in the land of Egypt. God shows his love by loving the minority. In this context, they were. He loved the, the, the widow. He loved the, the, the orphan. He loved the stranger or the outcast. The Gospel of Luke is a big, uh, a big um, argument for the Gentiles because we as Gentiles, minority, who Christ saved and whom Christ died for as well. If you ever feel like an outcast, you're a perfect candidate. Israel was a great candidate for God to use. Anyone can be used by God. And he demonstrates that with his love, and he shows that through Israel, and he's shown that to you and me today through the cross and what he did. As a reminder, it's good to serve the wise God who, who demonstrates his power to his people. And for Israel, they were to be reminded of the love of God and how he demonstrated his love through the many miracles that he displayed. It was wise for Israel to serve the very God who delivered them from their biggest trial. This gets to my fifth point. That you and I are to serve the God of miracles. You see that within verses 20 through 22. You shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve him, hold fast to him, and by his name you shall swear. He is your praise. He is your God who has done for you these great and terrifying things that your eyes have seen. Your fathers went down to Egypt, 70 persons, and now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the, st the stars of heaven. Israel, again, was to go to Yahweh to comfort when they needed him, and he was always going to be there for him. And it's the same God who is all-powerful to do that. He's gentle in his love to show it as well to his people. And again, the reason that you see the word that he's done these terrifying acts, again, it's not to say that we need to be scared of him. It's to say that we need to have an awe of him. Wow, this is truly the Almighty God. It's more, again, of a shock. Do you think that Mary, when she was told by an angel who said, do not be afraid, that she was pregnant, that that's not shocking to her? That's the kind of thing. It's like, whoa, what are you talking about? I don't, I don't understand this. Or, or, or um, well, I guess that's the only example I have. But anyway, <laughs> but anyway, I mean, many miracles that you and I see, you, you and I just know that that is from God. And there's no explanation to that. That's the kind of awe and fear, respect, and honor that we need to have with this very same God. That's the point that Israel was to do. It was wise for Israel to serve that very same God who not only demonstrated his miracles, but also did them because of love. What is that one miracle that you and I can think of off the top of, their, of your head that God has done for you recently that you just cannot explain? Some of you may... Um, the first thing that may come to your heads is that he saved you from whatever sin you went through. And that's good. Or maybe that answered prayer, and you just don't know how he was going to answer it, and he did. That's the same kind of miracles that was from the same God for his people of Israel. And how do you and I respond to that? I think verse 21 
greatly gives us that application of what we are to do about this amazing God. And what does it say in 21? He is your praise. He is your God. And what better way to do that than what we're already doing? To come to church, to come to love God, to love his people, to come and sing the songs, to come and read the revelation of God, and to worship him and praise him. And as I mentioned before, that yes, the scripture, they, they are the revelation of God. And for Israel, they got to see constant revelation from God and his works. Moses got to see a bush on fire not burning. That is revelation from God. And you and I have that same revelation in the scriptures. And how seriously do we take that? How seriously do you and I take the words of God? The very same Almighty God is the one who performed these miracles, who wrote these miracles down for us, preserved them so that you and I can read them, and also illuminates us to understand the inspiration that he's given to you and me. It was wise for Israel to serve the God who kept showing miracles to them. And it is very wise for you and I to love this very same God constantly shows miracles to you and me today. This gets to my final point, that we are to love the God who keeps his promises. God loves to make promises. And most importantly, God loves to keep them. Let's look at verses, uh, verse 1 of chapter 11. You shall therefore love the Lord your God, keep his charge, his statutes, his rules, and his commandments always. When God gives a command, it is for a loving reason. That's why the greatest commandment is to love him, to love others. He, he makes a promise out of his genuine love. There's no condition needed to be had. We are saved by grace, not of works. Salvation is free. It is a gift for you and I to take. It is for the purpose of love. And that's why the commandments, again, are to be of love, to love him, and to love others. Again, there are many times when you and I may have a hard time loving God for whatever reason. Maybe that prayer that we are constantly praying is still not answered, or it wasn't answered in the way that we wanted. Or maybe we're going through a trial that we thought God would take us through by now, and he hasn't, whatever the reason may be. Let's look at our motives. Remind our motives of why God loves us. To remind our motive of how we need to respond to that very same love. Do we try to do good things for attention? Or do we do it for the love of God? I remember in First, uh, first John uh, chapter uh, 5 and 4, it mentions how the commandments of God in chapter 5, the commandments of God to love, they're not to be burdensome. Do we take God's commandments to be a burden? Or do we take it as an opportunity to show love, to show joy? Because God has loved you and I first. Before Israel was to journey into the promised land, they needed to be reminded of what just happened. The many miracles that they were given to them and how they were to respond to that, and that was to love God, to love others, because God loved them first. You and I, there's no promised land here there is a journey called life that you and I are going through. In the midst of that, it's a good thing to remind ourselves of the love of God, to love him, 
and to love others. And yes, there is a promise that he's already given to us. And that's eternal life. And we respond to that in love, to love others. I want to read the text one more time. If you want to read with me, that's fine. If you want to close your eyes and meditate on the passage, that's fine too. The passage was for Israel to be reminded of what God did for them and how they were to go about their day in response to that. You and I need to do the same thing as well. And now, the next word is Israel. If I were to say the word church, the context would not be the same, but the principles would be. We're not conditioned. There's no condition to get eternal life. It's by grace. They had a condition on how they can enjoy the land, which they got by grace. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all of his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I'm commanding you today for your good. Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens, the earth with all that is in it. Yet the Lord set his heart in love on your fathers, chose their offspring after them, you above all peoples as you are this day. Circumcised, therefore, the foreskin of your heart, be no longer stubborn. For the Lord your God is God of gods, Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God, who is not partial and takes no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow. He loves the soldier giving him food and clothing. Love the soldier, therefore, for you were soldiers in the land of Egypt. You shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve him, hold fast to him, and by his name you shall swear. He is your praise. He is your God, who has done for you these great and terrifying things that your eyes have seen. Your fathers went down to Egypt, 70 persons, and now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars of heaven. You shall therefore love the Lord your God, keep his charge, his statutes, his rules, and his commandments always. And the greatest commandment that you and I are to obey is to love God. And the second is just like it, to love our neighbors as ourselves. We're going to have a time of invitation, a time where we can express our love to God, a time where we may need to go to the Father who has a net for us of grace, we repent of our sin. Maybe we need to go to him in prayer about something that we're struggling with, whatever that may be. Let's now be the time as we pray. Father, we're so grateful for your love. We're so grateful that you demonstrated that love to Israel. Lord Jesus, we're so grateful that you demonstrated godly love, your love, and what you did on the cross and resurrection. Holy Spirit, we're so grateful for the love of you helping us understand these stories to understand who you are, to love you. We don't understand it all, but we're so grateful for what we can understand and respond to that. We want to make a response to you right now to follow you in love. In Jesus' name.